Proverbs 13, 12, NLT. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. Welcome to the very first episode of Melanin Medley. This week, we're going to talk about what it means to look at a dream deferred. There are several things that we go through throughout our life where we're just not as encouraged to do what we want, whether that's starting a business, taking a class, starting a relationship. There are several things where we're just not confident and we don't feel like it's something that we're supposed to do. But this week, we're going to try to explore what it means to have a dream deferred and then how do we actually go about starting that dream even if we're incredibly nervous to do it let us pray that we come to you humbly in prayer we pray that you open our hearts minds bodies souls and spirits to believe that your word is alive true and actively working in our lives Father God, we pray that as we come to you in this prayer, that you may help us to get the revelation of what it means to tackle a dream deferred. And Father God, we pray that none of these things happen according to our will, but by your will, and that anything that seeks to distract us apart from you may be removed in the name of Jesus. And we pray that we just use this moment to grow closer to you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and ask it all. Amen. Before we get started, I want to rest easy knowing that everyone understands that this isn't something that I do full-time. It's something that I felt called to do in this season and honest and truly I'm just an empty vessel being used by God and who knows where this is gonna go. I honestly don't know. I don't know where I'm going with what I'm saying but I think overall just recognizing I'm not going to have all the words. Not everything is going to be perfect. And that's okay. Because at the same time, I'm still just being obedient in this season. And that's all God could ever ask from me. And as long as I understand that I'm not going to get everything perfect in this first episode, I'm not going to get everything perfect in any part. It's just doing the best that I can and being open to receiving and discerning whatever it is that he has me to do. So, yeah. Um, I really hope this message nourishes you all. I hope that it builds faith where we've all may have gone or builds hope where we all may have gotten weary given the current times. But I just hope it encourages you. Today, we're going to look at Hebrews 11 in the NIV version. Verse 1. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commanded for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commanded as righteous. And when God spoke well of his offerings, and by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. 
For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, no one when warned about things not yet seen in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became their heir of the righteousness that is keeping with faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Skipping down to verse 37, and what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms and administered justice and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women who received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might again an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins and destitute, persecuted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. So just reading through this, I have to say, I think the overarching narrative that we would all simply fall into is just like having faith, right? And I don't think it's as simple as we've read it here in the scriptures, And it's not as simple as being just a colloquial term that Christians use. I think there's so much more to it. Faith isn't something that is so easily understood amongst new believers or even those that are a little bit more familiar with the faith, like they've been in it for a long time. It's really hard to wrap our heads around. For me personally, I think trying to trust God through rough seasons or even through the seasons where he's blessing us tremendously, they look a lot different. In the season where it's not as pretty, every day looks like it's a new struggle, nothing seems to be going right, and everyone seems to be doing a lot better than you are. And then in the seasons where everything's going great, it just seems like a pipe burst in heaven and everything's just pouring out and everything's just going so, so great. But At the same time, (laughs) there are things that you still find that are problematic, that you feel like, okay, yeah, my bills are paid, but now I got to worry about getting gas in my car. Now I got to worry about having the best new fit because so-and-so just dropped the new line of clothes or a new line of shoes. And it's just like, there's this imposter syndrome that we can't ever have everything, like nothing's ever seeming right, even when everything's going right. And... In the midst of all that, how do we still try to run this race we call life and chase this dream deferred? So in Hebrews 11, I feel like it's a call to action. If we could even go back a little bit further, let's skip up to verse 29. It says, by faith, the people passed through the Red Sea on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. In this scripture, I feel like this is 
God's way of telling us that he has a path directed for each and every one of us individually. Now, just even saying it, it sounds cliche, but think about it. The people he called to pass through the Red Sea, he called the Israelites. He didn't call the Egyptians to do that. And the fact that this path was specifically paved for them, it's no wonder that when the Egyptians tried to do so, or in other words, they tried to imitate the behavior of someone that they were not, they were drowned. And when it comes to things that we're specifically called to, it's incredibly important that we don't try to imitate those that we weren't made to be. If we were made uniquely, why would we want to die a copy? There's something about being called by God and being able to run the race that was paved for us that if anyone were to try to imitate us, they would literally drown in their own failures because there's just a uniqueness to each and every single one of us. And it would be incredibly problematic if we all were trying to run the same race because the track lane that we were placed in for this season was not built for everyone. It was built for blank, blank, blank. Your name, your middle name, if you have one, and your last name. No one else can take the place of that track because it was uniquely built for you. So it's no wonder in verse 29 where it says, by faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. It's not built for everyone. So let's explore this idea of a dream deferred. The first thing would be like, why do I keep putting it off? For me, I wrestled with this a lot. A part of it was just like, concept. How am I supposed to tackle this idea? What am I supposed to do? Do I have enough money? Do I have the skill set? Do I have the knowledge? What is it that'll give me the drive to actually do this? And that's a really hard question to tackle. I was on Instagram the other day and I asked all of my followers the same question. And I phrased it as what's stopping you from starting. And a lot of people replied and I'm so, so happy that people engaged with this. So thank you all for engaging with it. And some of the responses I got was surrounding fear of failure and not living up to expectations. Just yourself, like just me, like I, I'm stopping myself. And then having another person said like having so many goals and that it's overwhelming to figure out which one to start in. And then the whole day goes by and you pull, uh, I'll start it tomorrow, this week, this month. And there's just this ongoing theme of procrastination. When we think about it, procrastination is something that I feel like everyone deals with, especially creatives. It's not something that's so clear cut. Can't imagine trying to get started on an assignment and it takes me forever to do it. Even if it's just something as quick as writing a page that's double spaced, 12 point font. Those are the standard expectations for when you're writing, but it takes me three hours to do it. What is it? Why am I putting it off? Well, there are several other things I would rather be doing. I could hang out with my friends. I mean, not really because of COVID, but I could be hanging out with my friends. I could be listening to another podcast. I could be listening to music. I could be talking on the phone with my friends. I could be watching Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, you name it. Like I could be doing anything except 
what would take some of my time and it may be fruitful and maybe something I was supposed to be doing, but I just don't feel like doing it. So then in the same vein, it's like, what lies have I believed about myself or what others have told me? So just going on with this assignment example, I don't feel like doing an assignment because I feel like it looks like it's too much work. But you ever have those moments where you have an assignment due and it's like 10 o'clock and you have a lot of work to do, but for some odd reason, you finish everything up until 11.57. How does that work? And <laughs> honestly, truly, that that's the most stressful thing college students could ever put themselves through. I don't know why we keep doing it, to be quite honest, but it's something about pushing it off until the very last minute when you're like, okay, now I really have no choice but to do it. And it's these lies that like, oh, we have all the time in the world or we can take the L right now. Like it's not going to impact our grade or it's not going to impact the relationship right now. It's this lie of believing that we have all the time in the world and we don't really have any accountability to whether or not we're going to actually finish it on time. And then at the same time, if it's something in the creative space, it's just like you've gotten negative feedback from others that was more critical than constructive. Someone's told you that you're not good at speaking. Someone's told you that you're not good at acting, dancing, performing, drawing, artistry, whatever you want to say as a creative, because that's where I can speak from. Someone lied and told you that you weren't good at what you were doing. It's really difficult for someone to be so critical about where you are in your infant stage, like where you are at the beginning of your journey. Like how can you criticize a baby for not knowing how to recite Romeo and Juliet and they can barely string together a full sentence, let alone know their letters. And that's something that I feel like we all struggle with. There's this expectation that we're all supposed to be experts at what we're doing, but we're all just learning and learning from each other. And as a follower of Christ, we're turning to the Bible and scripture on how we're supposed to do this thing. So how do we continue to do something if we keep putting it off and we keep believing these lies that other people have told us and that we believed about ourselves? Verse eight says, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Another reason we could be putting it off is because we don't really have all the answers. We're not really sure how it's going to pan out. One of my followers said that there's this fear of not knowing what will happen. This fear of falling flat on your face and everyone being like, I told you, you shouldn't have done that. Or, yeah, you know, I, I just wanted to be supportive. Like those fake friends that say that they're there for you, but they're really just waiting for you to fail. Or even this this fear of inadequacy and this imposter syndrome. And those, oh my gosh, I don't know how many times I've experienced imposter syndrome. Like even trying to work up the courage to start this podcast is just like, I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know why I would be chosen to do something on this topic. But it's just this sensible thing like we see in verse 8. Abraham, when called to go to a place, he would later receive as his inheritance obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. So there's this faith of Abraham of not knowing 
if he'll be able to see the promised land, what's going to happen with his wife, Sarah, and all of his followers? What's going to happen with the land that he currently has? What's going to happen on that journey? There's a lot of ifs and what's shoulda, coulda, what is that start to boil over when you're trying to figure out, yeah, I could tackle this dream. Yeah, I could start that relationship. Yeah, I could change my life right now. But what about all these questions behind this door that I've never seen before, that I've never experienced before? What am I supposed to do with all these unanswered questions? And if we follow our example and how we typically live life, you know what? I'm not going to go out here and make a fool of myself. I'm going to do what I feel comfortable with. I'm going to stay where I am. If I'm doing an assignment, yeah, you know, I could finish it, but I'm just going to stay where I am. I'm not going to try to do anything right now. I have time. Maybe later. Maybe next time. Maybe tomorrow, maybe next week, maybe when I feel like it, maybe when I get others' approval for it, maybe when someone tells me what I need. And when we try to use all of these justifications, I call it we're justifying foolishness. Tomorrow's not promised. Being in toxic cycles, being in being in relationships that don't work for us, being with people who aren't supportive, being in habits of being procrastinators and not really tapping into the gifts that we truly have is a slap in the face, not only to yourself, but those that are really rooting for you. You were called because of who you are. You weren't called to be like everyone else. You were called to be set apart. And as long as we keep trying to seek others' approval, those that probably don't have any idea what they're doing either, you're going to be just as confused when you're halfway in and they're telling you, well, I don't know what to tell you. Or they're telling you, well, I don't, it's not looking really great when you're halfway in. You start that business and you're not seeing a return on your investment. Do you turn back to that friend that sees that it's looking kind of bleak and they tell you, "Mm, yeah, I don't think you should start it. I think you should shut everything down. Or do you have people that are going to be like, yeah, it looks bleak right now, but you were called to do this. Keep going. Keep running that race. Because you can't get this time back. And if you were purposed and called to do it, why in the world would you begin right now to doubt yourself? This is the perfect opportunity for you to be like, you know what? No, it's not looking right. No, it's not looking great. But I'm going to keep pressing forward. No, it's not comfortable. No, it's not something I want to do, but I'm going to keep pressing forward because there's something that happens. It's right at this pinnacle point. You're on this race and you have the option of being uncomfortable for a moment, but gaining the endurance or being comfortable, but lagging behind. And if you are running this race, there's something, at least for me, I can't speak for everybody. But in that moment where I really don't feel like doing something, but I just keep pushing and I just keep trying to do my best, something happens where I'm like, you know what? I actually am enjoying this. You know what? This is a little uncomfortable, but I know that there's a long-term effect here. And I feel like that's what Abraham was doing. Going back to Hebrews 11 verse 8. It says, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place, he would later receive as his inheritance. Just looking at when called, he was called to go to this place. 
He wasn't looking on Instagram. They didn't have Instagram back then. He wasn't looking on Twitter. He wasn't Googling where he was supposed to go because he was instructed. He was given a set of instructions of where he was supposed to go. And then continuing further to a place where he would later receive as his inheritance. When we think about things that we're putting our time and investment into, we're not gonna see an immediate return. And if we do, we have to wonder, is it truly something we're supposed to be doing? Is it something that'll really help nourish us to be the best version of ourselves that we've been called to be? If it's such a quick turnaround, if it's so easy, if it's so comfortable, should we be doing it? Is it something that we are truly called to do? It's that refinement process that takes place. And when we continue further into verse eight, Abraham obeyed and went. Abraham could not see at the time that this was something that he was supposed to do. He couldn't see that, hey, you know, you're calling me to this place. Why are you calling me here? And we have a lot of questions of like, with this dream that we have, are you sure you want me to do it? And God's literally just urging us like, I know you don't have all the answers right now. I can't tell you all the answers because if I tell you, you're going to see that it may not work out in the first year. That's teaching you to build the endurance of this is what I called you to do. Yeah, that relationship may not work out but I may be weeding out people that may not be the most supportive of who I've called you to be and who I've created you to be. Yeah, that assignment didn't do too well, but I'm teaching you the correct way you need to study. Yeah, that person's not being the best friend right now, but I'm teaching you to discern good relationships, godly relationships from those that are just seeking to just take from you, that aren't trying to add any value to you. I feel like that's so, so, so important when God calls us to do something, it's just obeying and praying that he will show us where we're supposed to go. He will pave the way. He will tell us what we need to do and what we don't need. When we keep reading, verse eight, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Abraham did not have a GPS. He did not have maps. He did not have Google Maps. He did not have ways. He didn't have MapQuest. He just went. And it's like funny, when God calls us to a place, we immediately think, well, now what, God? Like, what are we supposed to do? And we forget who called us to that dream. And then two, what has he already equipped us with when we feel like God has gone silent on us? So where we're looking at verse eight, it says, even though he did not know where he was going, God wasn't looking for you to try to find the people, find the connections, find the organizations. He, he wasn't telling you to look for people to get this dream started. He wasn't telling you, he was not trying to tell you to figure it out on your own. He truly wants you to just obey. He just wants you to walk in it. No, it's not going to be comfortable. No, you're not going to have all the answers, but he just wants you to obey. He's looking for obedience in that moment. And when we tap into our faith, that faith looks like, okay, I really don't know what's going on, but if this doesn't work out, I can't seek instruction from anyone else but God because he called me to this moment. And as long as I keep trying to seek others' approval, it's like going to your math teacher to ask how to finish an English assignment 
when the English teacher is the one that assigned it to you? How can we go to somebody very well? They may be qualified in it, but they weren't the one who gave you the assignment. The person who gave you the assignment gave you instructions, gave you a timeline. They gave you everything you need before you received it. Good teachers will now. (laughs) I can't speak for all of them. But good teachers give you everything you need before you start that assignment. You've got the books, you've got the notes, you've got the PowerPoints, you've got them, you have your students, you have a tribe and an arsenal of resources to do the best thing that they've called you to do. You very well may have received this instruction or this assignment and have no idea what you're supposed to do, but you know you have to do it. And I feel like in this scripture... The Lord's telling us that we're not going to have all the answers. We're not going to have it all figured out. But he planned it just that way, which leads me to my second point. Have you figured out who God has called you to be or who they called you to be? Let me break it down. When you're looking at this dream deferred, have you figured out what labels has he given you when he called you to be this person or he called you to do this assignment? Who has God called you to be? Not just your government name either. Has he called you beautifully and wonderfully made? Has he called you to be the head and not the tail? Has he called you to be the lender, not the borrower? He's called you to be all these things, but have you figured that out? Or are you still looking for people that are like, oh, she's always going to be late. Let me tell you a story. Um... For me, I know I'm terrible at time. I'm working on it. God's working on me with it. But being on time to things, no. And growing up, I had this best friend at the time and we had a sleepover. It was my very first sleepover ever. And I had such a blast. We were dancing all night. I think we went out to eat. And that morning... She had gotten up and her mom told us to get ready, but I didn't hear her mom tell us to get ready. And by the time her mom was ready, the girl was ready, but I was still sleeping. So then the girl woke me up and was like, yeah, you got to go. Like we have to get going. And I was like, I didn't know we were supposed to be leaving. And the mom was like, well, you're just going to have to go home because you're not ready. And she literally sent me home because I wasn't on time where I wasn't dressed on time. And I don't know why, but when I thought back to that moment, I was reminded like, is everyone going to think that I'm just always running late? And if you ask people that know me now, they're just like, yeah, she's always running late. Demi is never going to be on time. We're always waiting on her to get here. And it's just, I don't want that label. And you only accept, or who said it best? Um, Someone once said that it's not what they call you, it's what you answer to. And if I don't want to be deemed as this person that's always late, then I'm going to stop answering to people that tell me that I'm always late because that's not who I am. And that's not who I want to be remembered as. So it's taking ownership of who God has called you to be, who you call yourself, not necessarily who others call you to be. Let's say you are always running late like me, but are they calling you like, yeah, girl, you're going to be on time. Amen. Say, I mean, like, you're not going to be late. You're going to get there on time and you don't get there. Okay, fine. You're going to get there on time next time. 
the whole point of it is you have people that are going to speak life into things that aren't currently there right now. And that's the most important thing with the dream defer. You're not going to always get it right the first time. But are they going to call you a quitter? Or are you going to run that race of endurance? It's not supposed to be easy. It's not. But you got to stop responding to things that you don't identify with and definitely ones that God has not called you to be. So stop answering to people who can't support or stand behind who you have been called to be and who God has called you to be. So let's pivot. This dream deferred. Um, I figured out why I keep putting it off. I figured out what lies I've been telling myself. I figured out who God has called me to be. And I figured out who others have called me to be. So now what do I do? How do I change that dream deferred to a dream dispatch? How do I take this dream that I've been thinking about? How do I take this relationship that I've been caring about? Like, how do I make that next step of something I've been putting off for years or for weeks or for days? Like, how do I just capitalize on it and actually do it? Now, for my non-believers, I can't emphasize enough the importance of having a relationship with God. All I can say is that for me, having a relationship with God is what took me from being in a very dark season to being in not a brighter season, but a better season than I once was in. And knowing and recognizing the tools that were in my arsenal and who I've been called to be. And the first part of that is needing a relationship with God. I can't stress it enough. God is the one that created us. He's the one that crafted us into these beautiful human beings. And if we try to figure out this life without him, I say it's impossible. We can try to go throughout our entire lives just doing what we want, having no accountability out here wild in. And let me be clear and say, like, there are a lot of non-believers out there who are really great people. But at the same time, I feel like, Why would you be great when you can be the greatest? Why would you settle for mediocrity when you can be living your life to the fullest? And I feel like with the relationship with God, he is able to reveal to you every aspect that he's called you to be. He's able to reveal to you spiritual gifts that you have, who is supposed to be in your life, who's not supposed to be in your life. He's able to add a lot of context to your situation and your life that you may have not considered before because you were trying to go at it alone. So when you're trying to do this dream, having that relationship with God helps to put into perspective realistically how it'll happen, how you can accomplish this dream and who called you to dream it. He's that supporter in the back that's like, yeah, this business is failing, but remember I called you to it. He's not going to call you to something that he's not going to equip you with the knowledge, the resources, and if it so happens to include that, the finances you need to get it accomplished, to get it done. Because the work is not for your glory, it's for his glory. So having that relationship with him looks like prayer, worship, and reading your word. And for me, like, I'm still a new believer. I'm still trying to understand this. So I say, take it one step at a time. How do you do that practically? Having that relationship with God. Just try it for 15 minutes a day. It could be five minutes. It could be your favorite song. I love Ty Trivet. 
and Kirk Franklin. Like those are my go-to gospel songs just to worship him. But I've also been encouraged by my spiritual leaders just to have like some worship music without any words. That's just moving and it's slow. It sounds like meditation music, but it's not. It's literally you just connecting with God and just worshiping him. And worshiping him looks like calling him who he is. Like he's a way maker. He's a healer. He's a provider. He's love. He is all of these things that we don't tend to think about. But it's creating a space for and inviting him in a space where you're like, you are welcome here. You are able to speak life into this situation I don't know how I'm going to do this dream, but you're saying it's my inheritance if we're going to use Abraham's example. You're telling me that this is what you want me to do. I need you in this space. Worship is like opening the door to tell God that you are welcome here. This is your space. This is your dream. I'm just a vessel. How do you want it to get accomplished? It also looks like prayer. And prayer is just simply a conversation. I can't, (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I wrestle with this myself, like trying to figure out, okay, when I'm supposed to say in the prayer, Pastor Michael Todd broke it down for me in the Charged Up series with like how prayer works. And I really encourage you all to go watch that series with just trying to figure out how he say charged up and just trying to figure out um, how to build that relationship with God using the schematics of Matthew 6, 9 through 13. He broke it down beautifully in trying to like explain how we pray and not necessarily following that format that's written in the word, like not just saying it verbatim, but using that as like a skeletal model of how your prayer life and relationship when talking to God in your prayer life would look like. And um, I really, really just encourage you all tremendously to go check that out. Um, I'll try to link it in the bio so that you all are able to just click on it and go visit it for yourselves. But that's really, really important. And then the last part of that is reading your word. For me, what works is if there's a verse that I really like, because the Bible app, if y'all have the Bible app, there's a verse of the day. And if it's a verse that I really like, then I may click on the verse and then read that scripture and then read that entire chapter. Thinking through my day or thinking through my week, or just thinking through how God is trying to speak through me through that scripture for the day. And sometimes you may not get it within that one sitting, which is totally okay. I feel like a lot of us get caught up in trying to get something immediately. And it's not something like you can't just connect with somebody through that first initial meeting or brief moment of time. It takes time to try to build something genuine and something that's nourishing with someone else. It's not something that's gonna happen overnight. So I feel like through consistency and reading through it, and if you can't get something the first time, then I encourage you the next time you pick up your word, just sticking with that chapter and reading through it. I really encourage you all to go check out that Charged Up series because that really changed my life and how I try to view the word, read the word, pray, worship. Like it breaks every single thing down and that's just simply amazing. Another thing that I would encourage you all to try out is reading the Bible plans. For me, I love how the plans are broken down to like different feelings and emotions, but also different seasons of life. So they have everything from like divorce, relationships, dating, love, anxiety, depression, working to leadership. Like there are so many different topics that are covered in thousands of Bible plans on this app that I just encourage you all to check them out and 
see which one sticks with you and using that as your time to connect with God and build that relationship with God. Because each plan is for a different season. So like, let's say I'm having a week dealing with insecurity or anxiety. I may pick up a plan that may be everything from three days to 40 days to two days to seven days. The days vary, but they have the devotional, the scriptures. And then if you do it with a group of people, you have a talk it over portion where you can type it out or you call that person up or make the Bible plan or make a Bible study around that and just garner up a group of people that you can trust and that'll speak life into you to read and review it and see like what their thoughts are versus what your thoughts are and just exploring that together. And I find that very nourishing as well. The Bible plan, worshiping and prayer. So when it comes to building a relationship with God, Prayer, worship, and reading a word are the three crucial things that you would have to trying to build that relationship with him. So then the next part of that, how do I change that dream deferred to a dream dispatch? Recognize and ask yourself, what season am I in? So are you sowing seeds? Are you in the wilderness? Are you in a harvest? Or are you pruning? So the sowing seeds looks like, okay, I have my dream. I'm submitting it to God. I am planning all these vessels of things that I want to accomplish. Always first, first, first. And this is why having a relationship with God is important. Make sure that it's something that you're called to do. Don't try to imitate what others are doing because you'll find yourself wasting your time, but also operating out of something that you don't have the capacity for. Don't try to do what others are doing because that's not what you were built to do. Like, yeah, you may be able to do it, but you would be better off doing something that you're excellent at doing versus doing something just to get the approval of others. And it very well may be something that you are not called to do. When I say sowing seeds, that looks like telling God and talking with God about what you want to do. Like I know for me, I'll just speak about me because I only have the testimony for me. Yeah, God, you're telling me to make this podcast. How am I supposed to do that? First, trusting him with it, trusting him with the process. And then having that ongoing conversation of like, okay, so I'm looking to start this podcast. Okay, what else am I going to trust God with? Okay, God, I'm going to trust you with my relationships, with my family, with my friends, with my significant other, with all these other people. Like, I'm going to trust you with these things. And that just looks like making sure that you're inviting God into it. So sowing seeds is simply inviting God into whatever you're doing. And then the wilderness looks like, okay, the seeds are planted. What am I supposed to do now? That may look like God telling you to do the last thing he called you to do. That may look like you just stewarding over whatever it is that you have right now. So if you're a student, just stewarding over your academics and your extracurriculars. If you're a professional, that looks like just going to work and being the best version, the best hardworking man or woman God has called you to be. If you are a creative, that looks like stewarding over your gift. That's making time to make those songs, making time to make that art, making time to make those videos, making time for who and what God has called you to do. The last thing he told you to do. Because if you're trusting him with it, he's also trusting you to do what he's called you to do. He's trusting that you will be okay if it looks like things aren't working out right now. You'll be okay if things just look like, okay, God, I'm trusting you to make me an R&B singer. (laughs) It looks like saying, God, I trust you with this, 
but it's not happening. Like, I'm trusting you to make me an actress. It looks like, God, I'm trusting you to make me this, but it's not happening. And you've only just submitted it to him, like, a few minutes ago or a few hours ago or a few days ago. Like, you just submitted it to him. That wilderness is meant to build character and endurance of what he's calling you to do and who he's called you to be. And that may look like you don't have a lot of people buying your stuff. That may look like you don't have a lot of people streaming your music or your podcast or your videos. That may look like people not wanting to read what you've written. That may, I'm speaking a lot about creatives, but even academics. That may look like a professor not liking what you're submitting. That may look like in a professional setting, your boss telling you that you're not doing anything right, but you're doing everything by the book. It looks different on everyone, but if it's what God has called you to do, that wilderness is nothing more than just a breeding grounds of character. It's meant to create you and build anything that has been hindered by what we talked about earlier, things that you've believed about what other people have told you about yourself. This is nothing but the groundwork for building the most beautiful and authentic version of yourself that he's called you to be. And ultimately, during this wilderness, you're just supposed to steward over what he's given you. This may also look like in the wilderness. This technically is like within the wilderness and then also its own separate season is pruning. This may require removing or distancing yourself from certain things and people that have nothing to do with where God is calling you to be or what God is calling you to do. So how do I know who or what I need to remove? Is it or are they adding to you or taking away from you? So if God is calling you to a season where he wants you to focus on being disciplined in your academics, that may look like you not spending hours on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, TikTok. I don't even know the others because I'm only on a few of them. But that may look like you not spending that much time wasting time. That may look like you needing to not spend time streaming videos on YouTube, Netflix, Hulu, Disney+. Plus. Once again, I only have a few of them, so I can only name a few of them. But I'm pretty sure you all know what it is that may not be adding value to you. Or it may be taking away the most valuable thing for you, which is time. So I think it's really important when you're in this pruning season, recognizing is that person or is that thing adding value or taking away value to the dream that God has called you to do? With relationships, if you want to be with a God-fearing man or a God-fearing woman, that may look like you not making time for Harry, Jerry, and Uncle Barry. Like you need to make time for this person. You need to create space for this person to arrive. And for me, that looked like making more time with God. That looked like me not allowing myself to be in relationships with people or individuals that weren't speaking life into what I wanted, what God wanted for me, and what I wanted in a relationship. And I'm not talking just romantic, I mean friendships as well. 
There are some seasons where people like you get along really well, but there may be something that you just can't see eye to eye on. That doesn't mean you don't have love for that person. That doesn't mean that your season didn't serve the purpose that it was meant to serve, but that very well may mean that that season is over. You got what you needed from that person and you very well may not need them in your life anymore. I'm going to leave it there because I don't want to step on any toes. But this is what the importance of having a relationship with God and having God-fearing people in your life that are God-centered. Because you can have a lot of people who have a form of godliness that aren't speaking value or life or speaking scripture the way it's supposed to be spoken. So you want to be careful and wary of those people. But make sure that you have God in the midst and you have godly people telling you if this person is adding any value or going to support the dream deferred that God is calling you to do. And if they're not, I would consider, is it a pruning season for you? And then also, the next part of that, are they draining you or giving you life? So with this, is just like trying to figure out, are you dependent on something? Like, are you depending on a drug or are you depending on a beverage that is meant to make you feel better, make you get in the right mindset? Are you dependent on it? I'm talking about people who use that as a crutch and a justification for their power, the crutch to justify how much they use it. How do I phrase this, Father God? Help me. They're using it as a crutch to justify God's strength for them. Help me, Father God. Help me. They're using it as a crutch and denying the power and the strength of God that God has given them. They're using it as a crutch to deny the strength that God has given them. It's not adding any value to them. It's taking time. It's taking their help. It's taking away from who they are. If it's something that's supposed to be adding value, or it's something that's supposed to be giving you life, it's supposed to be nourishing. If you're surrounding yourself with individuals who speak life into what you're supposed to be doing, they're not supposed to be talking badly about you. They're supposed to be encouraging you. If you have a bad day, they're trying to pick you back up so that you keep running the race. If it's something that's giving you a headache afterwards, why aren't why you keep doing it? If that person's giving you a headache afterwards, why you keep talking to them? If it's something that's not giving you life, if it's something that has you in a cycle of expectations and then getting let down or having fun for the moment but you feel an incredible amount of shame afterwards like are you getting caught up in cycles that aren't gonna get you anywhere but down the drain I'm gonna leave it there but recognize things that are giving you life and things that are adding to you recognize those things and then on the same side recognize the things that are draining you and something that's taking away from you Now, I posted something earlier this week that kind of spoke value to something. Okay, I posted something earlier this week that kind of spoke value to like recognizing something that's divine versus something that's a distraction. If it's divine, it's holding you accountable. There's this level of accountability of you know that this isn't the best that you can do. This isn't, I need to do better so that I can be better than this person. It's out of the capacity that God is giving you, you can do better. You can be better operating out of that capacity. And then in the same vein, with the distraction, is it saying, oh, well, you can do that later. 
Is it saying one thing in one moment, but saying something different in another? Is it taking, I can't emphasize this enough, is it taking the most valuable asset that you've ever been given in this lifetime? Is it giving you another headache? What is it? Only you know. Only you and God know what these things are. Only you and God know what's adding, giving, and divinely sent. And only you and God know what's taking, draining, and distracting you from the dream deferred. So all of that being said, let's go to my next point. How to change that dream deferred to a dream dispatch? Make it plain. Don't make it just about what you want either. Because one thing that you'll learn about a dream deferred It's never about you. It's all about glorifying the kingdom. You gotta understand that it's not always easy to try to explain it. And if it's something that you feel drawn to, like something that you feel like you can't shake, it's more than likely something that God wants for you. Making it plain looks like what's God's desires, what does the kingdom need, and then what are the gifts that God is giving you. Making it plain looks like identifying What are the tools in your toolbox to get this dream deferred? That looks like understanding God's desires. That looks like understanding what the kingdom needs. And it also looks like recognizing and identifying the gifts that God has given you. If you cannot see that, if you can't see that plain and visibly, then you're When you're running this race and the going gets tough, you start to lose sight of what is the reason for me doing all of this? Why am I even doing this? And it's so important when you're trying to go after that dream deferred, make it plain. What is God's desires? What does the kingdom need? And what are the gifts that God has given you? What are God's desires? Recognizing those three things and identifying them in your own situation, in your own scenario, and see if those things align with the dream deferred. And if it's God sent, they will. They will align effortlessly. So then the next part is getting in community. Um, I was telling you earlier when I said the first and most important part is having a relationship with God and with the Bible plans. That looks like texting a friend or family member to download the Bible app or sending them and sharing with them the Bible plan so that you can do it together. And... You can just have a conversation with them about what you're struggling with right now. And like I told you, like it's everything from anxiety to grief. It covers so many things. My college students, find a Bible study group on campus. I get it and I understand that churches and small groups and club organizations are pretty much shut down due to COVID right now. But finding those people, like find that community. I'm pretty sure every organization on campus, at least at my university, has the organizations on there. So that looks like reaching out to those club presidents, looking for them on social media, on YouTube, to be able to say like, hey, I'm looking for some community. Can I join your group? When you find community, at least community that really cares about you, they're going to help and see you through those difficult times. And for my adults, that looks like finding a local church and seeing if they have an online community. For me, like I really love going to Transformation. They're all the way in Tulsa and I'm all the way out here. But finding that church community is okay, great. And then oddly enough, there are a few people in my classes and in some of my orgs that 
watch that church just as much as I watch it. And it's, wow, like we're really all over the world, TC Nation. But finding that community and finding a church that God has planted you in will help you get that community, get that accountability for whatever it is that he's calling you to do right now. The last thing on how to change that dream deferred to a dream dispatch, keeping it visible. That would mean having something where you can see it every day. See it when it's great, see it when it's not. Making it visible every single day. Keep it in your wallet. Keep it in your car, keep it in your purse. You need that constant reminder that God called you here and no one can take that from you. No one. Granted, like with every dream deferred, with everything in this life, there will be trials and difficulty, but knowing that if God called you there, made you a promise, he's going to see it through. He's not one to lie or forsake us. He deliberately called us to this so that we would be able to lean on him. And if we go back to Hebrews 11, he said it almost 11 times by faith. Abraham, by faith. Isaac, by faith. Jacob, by faith. Joseph, by faith. Moses. He said by faith, by faith, by faith. So try saying by faith your name, whatever the promise is. And then let's add it on with the scripture at the end. Even though he did not know where he was going. Even though she did not know what would be at the end of it. Even though this season may be uncomfortable. Even though you may be single. Even though you may be together. Even though you may not have the community just yet. By faith, your name, the promise. Keeping all that in mind, I'll leave you with this. Verse 39. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect and I know if someone were to hear this right now they're like so you're telling me I did all this work or I waited all these years I finally settled down and started trying to tackle this promise only for it not to be fulfilled what is that about He meant every word when he said, these were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Every word of that is true. But the one core thing that I feel like some people would take and run and not really pay attention to is that the next part literally says, since God had planned something better for us. So there are things that we desire, there are dreams that we really want that literally do nothing more than scratch the surface for what God has planned for us. He makes it clear that he planned something better for us so that only together with us, they would be made perfect. He purposely created it so that we would be able to have the best version of what he wants for us with him. He doesn't want us to try to figure it out on our own. He doesn't want us to try to make money moves, make the connections, be with old girl, be with old boy, just for us to have that mediocrity of what he wants. He wants the best version of what he's called us to do. He doesn't want us to live a mediocre life. He doesn't want us to feel comfortable with being comfortable. He wants us to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Kings and queens, when it comes to 
a dream deferred. It's never about the dream. It's never about you. This whole point of this is just having a relationship with God and living the best version that God has called you to. Some of us may feel like we've run out of time. Like it's too late for us. Like we've been through too much. People would judge us. They have no idea how much we've been through. But honest and truly, we all have our crap. We all have our stuff that none of us are proud of. We all have our stuff that society would never understand because they were never in our shoes. But that should never stop us from pursuing our dreams. Because we can't get this time back. And I truly believe God wouldn't have given us those dreams if we were meant to give up on them simply because of what others think. And who in the world said that we need to rely on what others think to get what we want when they weren't the ones that gave it to us. So they're not the ones that can take it away. I want to be honest with you. When I started this journey, it was about a year ago. And honestly, truly didn't think it would be worth it. I felt like no one would really listen to what I have to say because when I do any kind of speaking engagement, no one really pays attention to what I have to say. There are a few, there were some instances, but the majority of the time, people really just look over me. Well, God, why would you call me to do something like this? And you know, people don't really have a care in the world of what I have to say. But he kept pushing me. So then last year before the year was out, I made a vision board and I made it plain. And I was like, okay, God. I didn't know if it was going to be a podcast. I didn't know if it was going to be a YouTube channel. I didn't know what it was going to be. But I was like, okay, I'm just going to put it here. And then there would be times where it would be like, okay, I, I want to do this, but I don't know if I should be doing it. So then I had an instructor at the time tell me, um, you shouldn't do it. It's oversaturated. You sure you want to do something like that? I would consider pivoting and doing something else. So in that moment, I was very frustrated. I was like, God, why would you call me to do this? You realize how ridiculous it's going to be. Do you know how many people are doing podcasts right now? Like Michelle Obama is doing a podcast. There's so many other people that I know are incredibly influential that are doing podcasts. Why would you tell me to do it? I was discouraged for a while. And then when quarantine hit, I started trying to buckle down again. Because what I had to remember in that moment was where I messed up, which I'm pretty sure I'm going to ask you guys, where did I mess up? It was asking my instructor about their approval of what I should do. That messed me up. My instructor didn't give me that passion or sowed that seed or gave me that dream to do it. Why was I seeking their approval for it? Why was I seeking their guidance for it? So it's so, so, so important to recognize who you're giving authority to speak certain things into your life. Not everybody should have that authority because not everybody can see what God sees in you. That's not up to them. It's up to you. It's up to who God has called you to be. Do you want to change the game? Do you truly want to tap into everything that he's called you to do? No one's stopping you. And if you feel like someone's stopping you, they don't have the authority to do that. If God is telling you to stop, okay, that's one thing. But if it's people, people that you know don't have your best interest at heart, people who have been leading you astray and dogged you out or organizations that have kept you out like I'll talk more about my story some other time but it's just 
don't give up. Don't stop yourself from starting because it's totally worth it in the end. Your obedience is tied to so many people. And remember, the scripture says, Abraham had no idea that that would be his inheritance. So I have no idea where this podcast is going to take me. And for you, it may, I don't know where this song is going to take me. I don't know where this chapter just writing this book is going to take me. I don't know where this YouTube channel is going to take me. I don't know where this degree is going to take me. I don't know where staying at this job is going to take me. But by faith, he obeyed and went. So run the race. Go after the dream. Do it because God called you to do it. So now on to the medley portion of our episode where we basically just unpack everything that we talked about for this week's topic. And the special guest this week, yours truly. So when I was making this episode, this was actually the very first time that I really had to sit down and analyze a Bible scripture to the extent that I had to. And then also try to make sense of everything that I was talking about. Um, I don't really know where I was going most of the time. And frankly, if it had not been for Jesus, and I'm not being funny when I said this, I probably would have not worked up the strength to actually even record. So glory to God, as Pastor Brenda Todd would say. It was a really long and tasking journey, but it was totally worth it in the end. Like I said at the end of the topic, I really hope that it blesses, encourages, and enlightens everyone to really work towards that dream deferred because everyone's called to do something so unique and our timelines are all aligned with each other in so many different ways. Like you can talk to someone and you don't even realize that you're sowing seeds into their future when you're just merely having a conversation with them. Take this time as an opportunity to really steward over everything that you have and everything that you've been called to do. Because like I said, you're the only one that's qualified to do something to this stature. And it's never about what everyone else is doing. It's about what you were specifically assigned to do. On to, like I said, the guest portion of this episode. Let's learn more about your special guest. So what do I do? I am a student slash a full-time worker. I have a lot going on. I wear a lot of different hats. If you know me personally, you would probably tell me I need to sit down somewhere, but I usually and probably will never listen because can't stop, won't stop, period. Um, (laughs) I think a lot of the time that I'm spending is mostly towards stewardship and just stewarding over the opportunities that I've been giving honoring my community, honoring the people that I am tasked with serving. So whether that's a student org or working or even volunteering, I'm always trying to make time for things that I care about because I care about a lot of things, right? Um, the next question would be, what's your melanin MO or your mode of operation? So I already said it, can't stop, won't stop. So if I'm lying down, it's because I'm genuinely tired or I genuinely have nothing to do. But usually nine times out of 10, I'm finding something to get into and not in a bad way, but in a good way. I'm always trying to find time to volunteer. I'm always trying to find time to spend with my family, doing homework, asterisks next to that. 
learning something new about myself, spending time with friends. It's usually how I'm allocating my time. So if I can phrase it in one word, my melanin mode of operation would be ambition. Because if it's one thing that the journey of creating this first episode has taught me, it's that how unique and how beautiful God worked to try to make the children that he's made. Like all of us are so unique in so many different aspects that if we really lean into and tap into what he's called us to do and who we are, we are some fire creations. Let me tell you something. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to rant. I'm not going to go there. Ambition, not in the sense that I'm doing it to get others approval, but I'm doing it because it's something that I'm passionate about. It's something that I care about. Ambition in the sense that I'm doing this not because someone's telling me to do it, but because I know that everything that I do is a lot bigger than myself. It never has anything to do with trying to one-up somebody, trying to prove something to someone. It's because I know that everything that I do is tied to somebody else's release, somebody else's empowerment. And I feel honored to be a vessel to seeing the best in people, but also being able to feed into the work of the kingdom. So when I think about my melanin mode of operation, ambition is what I would say. So what do I do? I am a student and a volunteer. I wear so many different hats with so many different student orgs. I'm stepping. I'm a part of a cultural organization where we're learning about different countries from the Caribbean and teaching others about this culture through programs, through literature, through just several different aspects of just sharing what the Caribbean culture is about. I'm also with my Bible study group. And then I also volunteer part-time for this organization where we're teaching the youth to learn more about what it means to be empowered by oneself, so self-mastery, but then also teaching them the fundamentals of STEP, the history of STEP, and giving them some of the tools that they would need to be fully equipped as a citizen of this country, especially being a young African-American woman or man coming into this world. We all know that we're constantly tasked and marginalized by so many in this country and we're undermined a lot of the times, but I really, really love this organization and 80% of my time is spent towards seeing this mission of self-mastery and Black empowerment through the youth and I'm really, really grateful to be a part of that. When I'm not doing that, I'm spending time with my family and my friends, so that's a lot of fun and yeah. Next question, what's your melanin medley and what do you do to grow? So the melanin medley question is split up into three parts, spiritually, physically, and mentally. Spiritually, I'm always watching sermons, listening to sermon-esque podcasts, and listening to worship music. I like to do that so that I'm staying in touch with my spirit man because there are times where I get really stressed out and really overwhelmed and I have the wrong perspective of 
how the world sees me and how I see the world. So I make it my mission to at least listen to one sermon a week. But if I'm doing a fast or I'm trying to grow closer to God, I may not look at social media. I may not eat certain foods so that I'm able to get rid of all of the distractions that would keep me from being focused and reminded of who I am and what I'm supposed to do in this life. So those are the ways I try to stay spiritually plugged in. Physically, like I said, I'm always volunteering. So if I'm not helping and teaching the kids how to step and spending time with them, I'm also stepping myself as part of a student organization. And then with the Caribbean organization, I'm dancing a lot of the time. So if I'm not stepping or dancing, I'm usually helping and volunteering in that capacity. So that's kind of how I stay fit. I will say quarantine did try to get your girl with a good 10 pounds, but let me tell you something. As soon as I got back to school, those 10 pounds dropped like crazy. So also our campus is incredibly hilly. Like you have to walk everywhere pretty much. They have buses, but it's such a hilly and vast campus that if you want to work towards losing some weight or you want to work towards building some type of physical regimen, don't get on the bus, don't catch a car, walk everywhere, and there you go. (laughs) Mentally, I'm working on that. I've made a discipline to start trying to write out a lot of my ideas and then just spending time talking with my friends and family and letting them into what's going on in my head or what I'm feeling and what I'm thinking so that I'm never just trapped in my own mind and trapped in my own thoughts to try to figure out how to navigate this world on my own. Because he, God, did not call us to live this world alone. So I would rather live it with intention and that intention being utilizing my tribe to keep me accountable, help me stay focused, and be sure to reaffirm things that I'm supposed to be doing or I am equipped to do and putting into perspective some things that I may not necessarily need to pursue in this season or it wouldn't really serve me well towards my purpose and what I'm called to. So that encompasses pretty much what would be my melanin medley. So then the next question would be, what's on my desk? What's my favorite thing? What's in my bag? It's probably my journal where I'm either drafting new ideas for episodes or I'm writing out feelings, thoughts. I usually try to write things down like new episodes, dreams, thoughts, feelings, just to get it out of my head and onto paper and something that I can see. But if Honest and Julie were talking, it's probably my laptop with my laptop sleeve over it. Sometimes I forget my charger and that's mad, mad annoying because I just want to use my computer, but my computer might be dying. So it's always in my bag, my laptop and my laptop charger, just so whenever I'm ready, I can pull it out, maybe work on a few assignments, work on a few projects that I have going on. But then also, if I'm feeling, you know, a little bit of my feelings, I may be writing out my dreams, writing out my ideas, writing out what I'm feeling in that moment. But other than that, you know, lip gloss, lotion, chapstick, you got to stay moisturized out here. That's usually what's in my bag. And what's a song that I have on repeat this week? 
The song that I have on repeat this week is My Soul Loves Jesus by Trey McLaughlin and The Sounds of Zaymar. Um, this song, it keeps me grounded in a sense. I like it because it reminds me that regardless of what I have going on, it's one of those songs where I can play and it's me just embracing and celebrating God for who he is and what he does in my life and allowing my soul to just love Jesus for all he's doing, all that he's already done in my life. I also like how the song just separates me from all of the materialistic things that I may desire. I tend to forget when I'm in the midst of a storm or going through a really rough week how much is already taken care of in my life. And it keeps me accountable and it keeps me grounded that above all else, I have breath in my body, I have clothes on my back, and I have food in my stomach. That's more than enough for me to be happy and rejoice and find something to celebrate because we tend to get so bogged down with everything that's going on in our lives. We tend to forget the little things that some people don't have access to. So it's a time to humble ourselves and be grateful for everything that we have. Even if it's not necessarily what we want, we have all of our needs met. So, yeah, that song is a song that I frequently have on repeat and I highly recommend that you all check it out. I hope you love it just as much as I do. So what do you think? This is our very first episode. Like I said, it's not going to be perfect, but as long as I keep walking in what I'm supposed to be doing and in obedience, I'm sure it'll get refined over time. I really appreciate each and every one of you that's taken the time to listen to one of God's vessels for the week. I hope that it inspired you and it kept you grounded in recognizing all that you have is all that you need. This wraps up the medley portion of this episode. When we get back, I'm going to wrap it up with a closing prayer and tell you where to follow us. Stay tuned. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for this time and moment to share with you. We thank you for giving us the blessing of understanding what a dream deferred encounters. Father God, we understand the importance of having a relationship with you, spending time with others in godly community, spending time in your word, worshiping, and making it plain so that we are able to run the race that you've called us to. Father God, thank you for making us beautifully and wonderfully. Thank you for making us unique and fully equipped to tackle the dream that you have in store for us, Father God. We pray that in those times that we get weary and we don't feel like we have a full scope of what we're supposed to do, that we lean not on our own understanding as you tell us in Proverbs 3 verse 5 through 6, but to seek your wisdom and in all ways acknowledge you so that we may be able to fulfill everything that you called us to do, Father God. We love you, we thank you, and we can't wait to see what you have in store for us in this season. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and ask it all. Amen. So that wraps up this week's episode of Melanin Medley, and I'd love to hear what you think. Feel free to email me at d-e-m-e-l-a-v-e-r-d-a-d at gmail.com and keep the conversation going. I'd love to hear what you, your friends, and family thought about this week's topic. Email me your questions, your thoughts, and even suggestions you may have for future episodes. 
feel free to follow me on social media at the Melanin Medley Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Until next time, keep your heads up, kings and queens, and I'll see you next week. Bye.